Well, I'll tell you guys, I feel like I say this every time uh, that I get the opportunity to speak, uh, but um, last week, I really enjoyed the sermon. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it was a sermon that hit me and stuck with me throughout this week. Uh, I hope it did the same for you. And, and let me just tell you, if you did not get to listen to it, I encourage you, I beg you to go listen to it. It was really good. I am barely on Facebook and I shared it. So that should tell you a lot about my thoughts on it, but it, it really did stick with me this whole week. And so as I was uh, trying to, to figure out what God had in store for us here this weekend, I just, I couldn't leave last weekend. And so um, la- this is going to kind of piggyback a bit off of last week. There's certainly going to be some overlap. And um, I just thought uh, that I would like to share a bit of last week into a, a scripture, an example of what it looks like to kind of act out a bit of what uh, Dustin spoke about last week, uh, because he talked about ultimately, once it was all said and done, about how important it is that we are true disciples of Jesus Christ, that we are true disciples of Jesus Christ. Christ. So today we're going to go um, to Acts 3, but before we go through the scripture, I'd like to just give some quick context of what has led us up to this point, this scripture here. And so at this point, uh, Jesus has already been captured. He's been crucified. He has conquered death. Amen. He has conquered death. He has risen from the grave. He comes back with the disciples and he shares the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We get into the beginning of Acts and Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria to the ends of the earth. And sometimes, I don't know if we realize this, but good news, the very fact that the gospel is here in America and throughout this world, God has spread, he's used his people to spread the gospel. Uh, and sometimes I don't think we realize, man, it's already, it's already gone to the ends of the earth. And we know that we are still on this mission together to introduce more and more to Jesus Christ, what he's done for them. Amen? Amen. Jesus drops the mic, ascends into heaven. I still, every time I read this scripture, I'm like, I don't know what I would do. Like he just starts floating up into heaven. Like how crazy is that? But he, he goes and ascends to heaven. Then uh, the, the disciples we know hung out in Jerusalem The Holy Spirit falls, just as Jesus said, falls, Peter preaches, 3,000 come to believe the good news, the gospel that Jesus has risen and he has died for your sins. 3,000 believe and are baptized. And it says the beginning of the church began and daily there were more and more believers that came to believe in Jesus Christ. And that leads us up 
to Acts 3. We're gonna start at verse one. And there, I'm going through 16 verses, all right? So that's a lot. Do you, can, can we do this? Like, can we stay focused for 16 verses? All right, here we go. <laughs> Love the confidence. Uh, <laughs> verse one, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It was was Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. That's amazing, isn't it? What an amazing story. It It is just full of good stuff, and we're gonna break it down here. But before we do, Lord, uh, let's pray together. God, we, we ask that you would um, speak to us today. Uh, Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you have to share, whatever it is that you need to, to prick our hearts on, uh, just as you did in Acts 2, you, you pricked their hearts as they heard the gospel. And I pray that the very same way you did it back then, that you would do it here today, that you would prick our hearts in a way that causes us to step into this, step into action, to be true disciples of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yes, Lord. All right. We hear you. About uh, a little over 14 years ago, I, uh, 
I was playing in this basketball tournament and we were, we were doing really good. We, were, uh, we had won a couple games and we were advancing in this tournament and uh, we were playing really good. And this day, this particular day, I was just feeling it. Like I was in the zone. And, and so we were in the middle of this game and we were playing this team uh, that was also kind of, it was kind of the top two teams at this point. And so we're playing, we're in the heat of it. I'm, I'm dribbling the ball up the court. I get to about half court and this defender, uh, he, he comes up and he starts playing defense on me real tight, way out at half court. And um, so I'm like, all right, so we're, we're, take, we're ramping it up here. You know, like he's, uh, okay, he's taking it next level. So I, I kinda, I see it coming and guys, I gave him the, uh, crossed him up. All right, okay. <laughs> crossed him up, blew by him. I go for the left-hand layup, good. But I come down, I land on a defender's foot and my leg did something that it was not supposed to. I mean, guys, it felt like my leg just like, I didn't even wanna look at it. I, was, I literally did not look at it for a bit because I was afraid to see what it looked like. That's how it felt. I'm in pain, I'm rolling around on the ground. I'm like, oh no, this is terrible. And so needless to say, I was done. Tournament was over for this guy. And, um, and Dustin actually rolled his ankle later on that tournament. It was a bad tournament, but, uh, but we go to the doctor, we get it all checked out. Sure enough, completely tore my ACL, partially tore my LCL, and here we go. It's going to be a long journey of recovery. Uh, if you've been through surgery of any sort or some sort of injury, you know what I'm talking about. You know that uh, it's going to take a bit to get back into this. And so uh, for the first couple weeks, uh, I couldn't even put weight on it. And after two weeks, I just slowly started to just barely put a little bit of weight on it. And it is amazing after just two short weeks, how fast your muscles go. Like I played sports my whole life. You know, I was very, always active. Uh, but two weeks of not being on my, my leg at all. And guys, my thigh was visibly smaller than my right one. Like, that's how fast it went. And so now I, I, I start, you know, putting weight on it. I'm going through physical therapy, you know, wanting to knock my therapist out because I thought he's going to break my leg again. And, and, you know, you go through this long process and I might have put on like 40 pounds along the way and because uh, you guys know I like to eat. <laughs> and, uh, and so finally, about six months later, I'm able to finally just start to try to jog. I'm finally just, finally able to just even try jogging. And so I start, you know, testing it out and the, the strength is slowly coming back. And then I, you know, months later, I'm trying basketball again and testing it out real cautiously. You know, you don't want to mess it up again. So real cautiously. And finally, you know, I'm able to get back to it all the way. But I got to be honest with you, still today, over 14 years later, it's just not the same. Like it's just, it's never been the same. And so when I read a story like the one we just read, and I see that this man 
who was lame from birth. He, had, he didn't even know what it was like to walk. He didn't even know what it was like to walk. He's a grown man over 40 years old. And our God is so amazing that in an instant, it said, all of the strength came. His legs are there. He hops up. He don't know how to walk, let alone jump. And he's doing all of it, right? Like in an instant. And that's the God that we serve. Amen? Yeah, let's praise him. I read a story like that knowing like, this is how it's supposed to work, but then hang on, in an instant? Like, amazing. And today I'd like, to, I'd like to break down and kind of break down the story of how did God use his people to lead to this unbelievable miracle? In what ways did he use his people? Because I, I kind of want to do the same thing, Right? I want to I learn from this so that I can do the same thing so that God can use me. How about you? And so I want to take a moment and break this down because, listen, the lame man never met Jesus directly. He never met Jesus directly, but through Peter and John, he got to meet the one. And I, I want to do the same for others. Dustin, last week, I'm going to reference last week a lot. I preface that. But last week, it stuck with me so strongly. He talked about being a disciple, the personal responsibility, the individual ownership of being a disciple. It really just rang so loud and clear. If you like to take notes, I would encourage you. This is going to be one of those sermons where I've got five different points so I kind of have a, a bit of content to work through. Um, so if, if you like that, if you want to get your phones out, if you want to get pen and paper, whatever you do, uh, I would encourage that just because I want to make sure you're able to capture it and catch it. Whatever helps make it stick for you, I would encourage you to do that. But my first point that I would like to call out on, on who we are to be and how we are to be as disciples through this story so that God can use us is that we must be united. We must be united. Dustin talked about last week, the culture that we are in tries to divide, didn't he? He talked about division and that that is the culture that is being pushed, but we are to be united. Peter and John were completely different people. They were completely different Peter was this fighter, right? We read about Peter and he's just like, let's go. I'm, I'm down, let's go. He, you know, they, they come to take Jesus and he's cutting a dude's ear off. You know, he's just like, let's go. Jesus is like, hang on, chill out, dude. Like here, here's your ear. At the last supper, Jesus is like, hey guys, some, they're gonna come, they're gonna catch, they're gonna kill me. And Peter's like, no. Not happening. Ride or die, I'm with you, right? He's, I'm ready to, and, and he's just like, let's do this. I like Roman's move. He does this when we're at home. He's all doing his karate. Um, he's a fighter. He's a fighter. John, on the other hand, is a lover. When we look at the Last Supper, we read that John was just quiet, 
laying back, leaning on Jesus. Two different fighter versus a lover. Peter's this extrovert. He's the first one to always jump out there. Sometimes he's just like, oh, words, come back, please. You know, sometimes he says the wrong things, but he's just in it. He's going. John's the introvert. Peter's actually older. He's older and John's young. God uses different people to accomplish his mission, doesn't he? He uses different people. And sometimes it surprises us because we kind of expect that God will put people like us around us because, well, we'll just get along more. We'll, you know, we'll, it'll be, they got the same hobbies and the same life. They understand me, right? And God will put, we think that we will have similar people around us, but no, he wants to put different people around us. So, because he knows that we don't need more people that just turn around and reflect back the same preferences, the same prejudices, right? Enforcing the same biases in this echo chamber that we can find ourselves in. He wants to show us new perspective through different people, new perspective. The enemy tries to call, like Dustin talked about, the division, the culture that we find ourselves in. They, They like to focus on the differences though, the differences, like the generational differences, uh, you know, boomers and the, the millennials and the Gen Xers and Gen Zs. There was one time at work, um, I was uh, sitting at a table with uh, other, uh, other baby boomers, okay? I was the only millennial at the table, and they're just like bashing millennials. And I'm like, hey, guys, uh, I, I am one of those that you talk of, and... Uh, I don't love what I'm hearing right now, right? We, we, like, there's this division sometimes, black, white, right? This culture that we find ourselves in, this, the differences that are called out. We, we've got, oh, Democrat, oh, Republican. You know, we have this like nastiness that's going on around us. God, God wants to say, hey, no, let's come together, all of our differences, because that's what's gonna make us stronger, That is what is going to make us stronger, right? It takes different people to accomplish the mission. Let's look at the story. Can you imagine this story without John? It's just Peter, right? Peter ain't seeing no lame man. Peter is locked in. I'm going to temple. He's just marching on, stomping right past him, right? Right? He's just gone. He's... He's not paying attention. Let's go without Peter. It's just John. John's walking along, sees the lame man, but he's not maybe courageous enough to say, hey, look at us. Hey, get up, you know? He's not gonna put himself out maybe the same way that Peter would just go into action. Like It took both of them to accomplish the mission. We must be united. The second, second point. We must be compassionate. We must be compassionate people. This is what's gonna help us be attentive to those around us, to be able to to love on those around us that that need some loving. Again, last week, Dustin talked about our culture of convenience. This is where we must be attentive enough and show enough compassion to be willing to be inconvenienced willing to be in 
inconvenienced. Zeke uh, was here last night. A few weeks ago, he shared this with me. I just loved it so much. I've shared it some and boost and, and stuff. And uh, he just said one morning we were having coffee and he said, I'm just so ready to live my Bible story. Isn't that awesome? Just like he left my house that morning and I, I, I was just like, I'm ready to go on adventure with you, God. Like I'm ready for this story. I'm ready to just get into this. I'm ready to be compassionate and be inconvenienced so you can use me. Because we read our story and man, it could, they were just going through their daily motions just like we do every day, right? The lame man's being dropped off every single day. He's begging every single, doing his motions, going through the motions. Peter and John going to the temple. That's what they did every day. They did it three times a day, in fact. Three times a day going to temple. Talk about just like how easy would it be to just go through the motions, follow the schedule. How much different would this story have read if Peter and John just followed the schedule? <laughs> it would have been something like, Peter and John were going to temple at 3 p.m. like they always did, and they prayed. The end. You know, it doesn't have as much umph to it, right? Like the miracle never happens because sometimes we can let the schedule cause us to miss the miracle. Sometimes we can structure God out of our own prayers. They were going to the temple to pray after all, right? We can be so glued to our routines and our schedules that we just structure God out of it all. We must be willing to be inconvenienced, though. If I'm going to be honest with you, if it were me in this story, it probably would have went something like this. I'm going to temple walk right by him, right? Like we're on our phones. We're, we're just occupied all the time. You know, you go to the store. I go, I'll, I won't put it on you guys. I go to the store with my AirPods on, you know? I'm going through the grocery store with AirPods on. How am I gonna make a connection with some? I'm just like listening to a podcast in my own world because I'm not even willing to be inconvenienced. Or maybe you're just, trying to avoid eye contact at all costs. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you're going down the aisle at the store and you're doing everything you can to not make eye contact. And they're doing the same thing, right? Everything you can do. The lame man, I found this interesting. The lame man did that. The lame man, it said that he saw Peter and John first and he, he asked for help. He, he asked for help from them. He begged from them. But did you notice it wasn't until they showed compassion that then he looked at them? He's standing outside of the temple where all of God's people, the religious people are going every day. Every day he's going through this. He's calling out for help to God's people. And he doesn't even think anything's gonna come of it because he's not even looking at them. He's just, how many people around us are, are asking for help in their own way and they don't even expect it, so they're not even 
they're not even giving you the eye contact. Until we can be attentive. It was when they looked at him in the eye, they said, look at us. He's, he, then he became expectant. Then he looked, hey, something is different here. They're actually showing attention, compassion, love toward me. And he began to expect something from them. Both parties in this example, at the end of the day, still had to be willing to encounter something different, to be willing to go on this journey, this adventure. They had to be willing for a divine encounter. They had to be willing to be inconvenienced in order to receive what God had for them. Because what if the lame man would have insisted on what he asked for to begin with? What if he would have just insisted, no, nah, I'm good. Like, I, you got Jesus. All right, cool. I need money. And then he would have missed out on his healing. Just this morning at Boost, we were talking about it. I'm thankful God hasn't answered some of my prayers because what he ended up doing was better than what I was asking for, right? They were willing to go there. They were willing to take the extra step because God, God is a, he is a God of strategy. In this moment, he had them, he had them going to one place, same, same place. They were going to this place. They run into each other. And he had them willing to, do, to go to that extra step. It took that extra step to get them where God wanted them to go, to the miracle, to the miracle. They had to be willing to go to that place. They had to be inconvenienced. They had to break routine, be inconvenienced. Something that everyone else stepped over day after day after day was a miracle waiting that God wanted to do. They walked over it every day. Must be compassionate. We must also be confident and courageous. Confident and courageous. When the lame man asked for money, the initial response was, sorry, <laughs> I ain't got it. I, I don't have money. I don't have silver or gold to give you. And sometimes we can get stuck in that place. Sometimes we can get stuck in what we don't have. Again, if I'm going to be real, if it were me in this story, he asked for money. I'm walking by. I'm so sorry. I don't have it. And I'm moving on to temple. Right? If I'm, if I'm going to be real about it, I just, I don't have it. Sorry, I would love to help, but I, I don't have it. And I wouldn't have taken that extra step. I wouldn't have had the courage to take the extra step. I wouldn't have had the confidence. Because sometimes the enemy will, will really call out what we don't have. Like we'll be scrolling through Instagram and like, you're just like, gosh, I suck. Like, what am I doing in life? You know, because everyone else seems to be like killing life. And, and then by the end of it, I just feel like, crap, you know, and I'm like, I'm not good enough. Like, who am I? I don't have, I don't have this. I don't have that. Like, who? I don't have nothing. 
I don't have anything to offer. And the enemy uses that stuff to cause you to go into this state of paralysis where you feel like you can't use, be used because you feel like you ain't got nothing to be used. You guys know what I'm saying? Or maybe, maybe we're just afraid we don't have that courage to step out. Because how vulnerable do you have to be to take that next step? Sorry, I don't have it. Lord, now you want me to try to heal this man? Like, there's people watching. Like, all these people have seen me with you all this time. Now you're not here. I can't, I have no backup plan. And all these people are watching. What if I fail? Like, what are all these people going to think? Right? But we must be vulnerable. We must trust God. We must be courageous enough to know that he is going to lead us. He is going to guide us because you are adequate. You are called. You are qualified. Jesus told us that, right? He said, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit's coming. And you are going to, in John 14, Jesus actually said, hey, when I'm gone, you're going to do greater things than me in my name. You're going to be able to do more than I was able to do because the Holy Spirit is going to come. It's going to empower you. Steve uh, Pemberton, just a couple months back, we were at Life Group. He said something that I've heard many times in my life, but he had me jacked up about it. Like, Steve has a way of doing that to me. Like, he gets me all like, ah. He just said, hey, guys, listen, I've been dealing with this. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me. So listen, we can step out with courage because we have God Almighty wanting to use us. It's about him, right? That's what Peter, at this point in Peter's life, he had come to realize. He came to realize, I am weak. I can't do this. But he is strong, and I'm going to be confident, and I'm going to be courageous in stepping into what he wants to do because I know he's God Almighty, creator of all things. No, I don't have money, but I I have something else for you. His name is Jesus. He is going to give you more than you're even asking for. He's going to give you something that you gave up on a long time ago. I've got Jesus. Be courageous. Two more. You guys still with me? All right. Be expectant. Be expectant. I really found this to be interesting as I was reading through the scripture and really trying to like pluck anything out of it. I found this interesting. It said that the onlookers, those that were in the temple, the religious ones that were at the temple praying every day, multiple times a day, they're they're in there praying. They were amazed. They were surprised. They were shocked that this lame man that they knew was in the temple jumping around, praising him. They're sitting in church praying to God, but they're surprised that he actually did something. 
They're sitting in God's temple and they're surprised to see that God actually did something. Again, that boost this morning talked about how many times do we send up these empty prayers that we really don't even believe? How many times do we really believe that God will answer the prayer? Because we can get cynical, can't we? We grow up and we see how this world works and operates and we, we can get all into logic and we can get cynical. We begin to lose that faith of what God Almighty can do. Just this week, I was encouraged because I got a phone call just a couple of days ago. Um, it was shared with me that uh, someone in our church called someone else within the church uh, one morning for prayer time. First of all, that's awesome. I love that. You know, calling a brother, calling a sister in the morning, hey, can I pray for you? I would love to do more of that. And he said, he was all pumped up, I could tell. And, and he said, hey, I was talking, I said, hey, can I pray for you for anything? Like, is there anything I can pray for you about? And um, they said, yeah, actually, actually, I, I really need a vehicle. Like my vehicle is, I need a reliable vehicle. I'm worried about what I'm driving right now. I need a reliable vehicle. And I just don't see like a way that that's going to happen. Just being honest with you. That's why I'm asking for prayer. I don't see a way for it. And he said, man, I just, I just went in and I prayed. And he said, Devin, would you believe that night I got a call from them saying, hey, thanks for the prayers God made a way. I'm pulling out of the out of the parking lot with a new vehicle. Wow. Right? Yeah, come on, let's praise him. He answers prayers. Our God answers prayers. <laughs> what what would happen? What would happen if we expected God to answer prayers? What if we expected God to heal? What if we expected God to do miracles again? What God can do, what God can do through you if we just allow it. If we would just be expectant. God, I know you. I have faith in you. I know you can do this and he will use you. The last one is be a disciple. Be a disciple. Be a disciple that makes disciples. Be a disciple that makes disciples. Another interesting thing that I caught when I was reading this was we read that this man was instantly healed completely, didn't we? That he was jumping around, that he was praising God. We read that, right? He was completely healed, completely restored all the strength in his legs. But I caught a little later on while they were in the temple that the man was still holding on to Peter and John. Did you catch that? We, we know he was completely healed. He could function completely with his legs, but he was still holding on to Peter and John. And, and as I was thinking through that, I'm like, yeah, 
When God radically transforms someone's life, out of, out of darkness into the light, radically transformed, they, I mean, when, when it was you and, and God changed your heart for the first time, weren't you just like jumping up and down, praising God on fire? But what does life look like after that? You know, like how does this thing work? I had never walked before. Like where do I, I, all I know is that I was dropped here every day and I begged all day, but now I, I, can, I can move, I can walk. What do I do? And he's, he's holding on saying, hey, can you just show me, show me the way a little bit? And I think about those in, in our church community, in our body, where they come to know Jesus and they're on fire and they're jumping up and down, but they don't know God's, God's commands. They don't know the way of living this life with him. And they need someone. They need you with the, the personal ownership, the individual responsibility to say, hey, hold on. Let me show you the way a little bit. Let me... Let me disciple you a little bit on what this looks like. Let me show you God's ways. He wants you to be a disciple, a true disciple that makes disciples. Peter goes on to preach. He goes on to share the good news, the gospel with all those that were there because it was causing this stir. And he's like, great opportunity, share the gospel. Let me share what Jesus has done. The one that you killed, hey, he was risen from the grave, and he, Jesus, is the one that healed this man. He is the answer. He is the one. And, and as I read into this further, I, I found this interesting. Peter and John, they actually got thrown into jail because they caused such a commotion. They got thrown into jail that night. And while they were in jail, 5,000 came to believe Jesus. While they're sitting in jail, 5,000 came to believe that Jesus died for their sins. He rose from the grave while they're sitting in jail. And that next day, it said the Sanhedrin, all of the religious elders came together and they said, hey, what are we gonna do about this? There's this commotion, there's all these people, there's a mess out here. What are we gonna do with this because they're trying to control the situation. After all, they played a large part in killing the one that everyone's believing is now risen from the grave. How do we control the situation? But I loved what they said when they were talking about it. They said, man, this Peter and John, they're just unschooled, ordinary men. They're unschooled. They didn't go to seminary. They're just ordinary people. Just like you and me, maybe. He said, but they spoke with such courage. They knew, the Sanhedrin knew that they had been with Jesus. They spoke with such courage that he convinced the Sanhedrin that, man, they had been with Jesus. So they decide to let him out of jail. And they say, hey, come here. Before we let you go, here's the deal we want to break with you. We're going to let you go, but you can't keep talking about this Jesus. 
you, you got to stop. You're causing commotion, man. Like, you got to stop. And I love their response. <laughs> Had to be Peter again, right? <laughs> he said, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Amen. I can't help. I can't help but share what God's done for me. I can't help. I'm sorry, but I can't help it. I must share about Jesus. He's changed my life, and I want him to change yours. I must share. I love, I love the courage. I love how they took it forward and were true disciples that made disciples. You guys can stand to your feet with me. At the end of the day, what I want to be loud and clear, I heard this statement as I was preparing for this, and it hit me, because we read about this gate called beautiful. And we talked about being a disciple and the individual ownership, personal responsibility. I heard this statement, and I want you to grab hold of this, that you are a gateway to the gospel. You are a gateway to the gospel. Listen, when, when we gather in this place, we are gonna try to have the best music. We are gonna prepare and try to give the best word. But the event that triggered all that happened in this story was outside of the temple. It was, it was out at the gate where the, where the people were, where the community was. You are a gateway to the gospel. Jesus may not physically be here to grab your family member that you've been praying about for so long, reach down and physically with his own hand, grab them and pull them up. He might not physically be here to reach down and that friend that, ah, I just wish they would try church. I wish they would just try Jesus, just give it a chance. Jesus can't physically reach down and pull him up as they did the lame man. He can't do that for your friends at school. He can't do that with your coworkers at, at your job. He can't do it with your neighbors two doors down from you. But I can promise you this, he so desperately wants to use your hand to reach out to them and pick them up, to help them through whatever it is that they're going through, to show them who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for them. We must take personal responsibility. We must take individual ownership. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. He's called you to do it.